Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Can you turn to somebody and tell the person, understanding, understanding. Wisdom, wisdom, insight, insight. Illumination. illumination. That's your portion this evening. Your portion this evening. In, the In the name of Jesus Christ. Say, as the word is coming forth, is coming you will hear your specific portion of it. You your life will be turned around. And you will become closer to the exact image of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Please tell your neighbor you are very wise. (laughs) What we have been doing is learning the culture of faith. Trying to um, explain to people or to ourselves that faith has a culture. That our blessing is spiritual. But without the outward thing, the blessings don't manifest. We are blessed in Christ Jesus, but without our doing the works that are in keeping with faith, the faith is not perfected. We are not saying we are saved by faith. We are saying we are saved by grace. But if grace is genuine, do you understand? And if the faith is genuine, we will see it outwardly. And that was what James told us. Show me your faith without the works. And I will show you my faith, but how do I show that to you? By my works. Don't forget it is possible to be deceived. You can think you have something when you actually don't have it. The only thing that proves that what you think you have is genuine is by the works those things produce. That's how it works. I was reading the book of Mark, and they came to Jesus and said that um, uh, John the Baptist, his disciples at that point in time, they were fasting. And they came to Jesus and said, how come your own disciples are not fasting? And he said that you cannot put... Let's summarize it. He said two things, but I want to pick one of them. You cannot put new, um, new wine in old wine skin. Now, when I read that, it struck me that what he was saying is this. Our faith is in new wine, but every wine must have a wine skin. Are you getting my point? Now, that's what I want to bring out from it. Not even talking about whether it's old or new, but the fact that wine must have wine skin. Our culture is a wine skin that makes our faith effective. Why I choose the word culture is that it has to be a habit. It is wrong with some things that we do as believers. When we are looking for something, we do something. Are you getting my point here? All right. The, the example I give then is that they tell women, uh, if you want something from your husband, these are the things you do. And I was in that meeting, and somebody said, what if I, uh, you've done all of those things, and you have not gotten the thing that you're asking him for? And people start saying funny things like, try praise. You will now worship. You will anoint his, uh, his pillow. You understand? You strike his head with a mantle when he's sleeping. And I say all of those things are nothing but witchcraft. Are you getting my point? That's Christian witchcraft. Forget that is witchcraft. Are you getting me? Uh-huh. That's all it is. Whether it gets results or not, it's not which is too they get results. You follow my point. Uh-huh. That's not what we're discussing. It's whether that is right or wrong. But that day I spoke up and I said to the people, no, please, let's not do that. 
we must do what is right and do it as a matter of habit. In fact, I preached a message here uh, some time ago, what I call the switch of God's power. And I call it the continual doing of good works. Whatever we are doing must be our culture. You cannot just get up and start praying, or, um, you know, like one thing my pastor said this in Lagos. So just get up and say, I want to go and do all night. He said, look, don't waste your time. If you can pray one hour, pray one hour. He said, make it a daily habit. Pray it every day. He said, he said okay, well, Jesus prayed all night. He said, you will know some things were his custom. Things you cannot make a custom, don't start it. That's why I tell people, they say, oh, listen, just uh, go to the bank, clear your account. Miracle is waiting for you. No miracle is waiting. The only miracle you will see is that you will survive, you will not die. You understand? God will help you to survive after you have cleared your account and given an offering. You understand my point? If you want to give as believers, you understand? I've said this many times. Make it a habit. Make it a culture. Make it a culture. Then somebody will not be telling you fantastic stories to get, you know, whether from Peter the other time. He said, they devised cleverly you know, devised their stories to lay hold of your money. Do you understand? The, the, one of the major defenses is make giving a culture. Make giving a culture. All right, then you look. I'm not saying you never have to clear your account. It will happen one day because one day, if you want to build a house, you will clear your account. If you want to buy a car, you will clear your account. May somebody not fall sick, you will call it, you clear your account. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. But not because you're looking for an emergency breakthrough. So let's make what is right to do a habit. Let's make it a habit. That's what we're talking about. What the culture of faith. Faith has a culture, and we said at the beginning the essence of culture is religion, and relig- and the cloak that religion wears is a culture. So whatever it is, the, your religion is, whatever your faith is, it will affect everything around you. And what is culture? Don't forget. Culture is how you marry. Culture is how you dress. Culture is how you spend your money. Culture is how you work. Culture is how you relate in the family. Culture is how you talk to your friends. Culture is how you talk before your father or your mother or before your children. You understand my point? That's culture. Even the way you greet is a culture. Is a culture. So those are the things we call culture. And what I'm trying to bring out is that faith has its own culture. What faith does, Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like living. You understand? So, you know, that the woman weaves into her dough. What happens is that faith comes into the environment. It just creeps into everything we are doing. It affects our culture. A good example we have here many times, we've used as an example here many times, and what many of us here practice. Outside there is a culture of if you, if, you, if you buy a car, you wash it for people. But we have a different culture, which is based on the fact that the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive, and that we are love beings, we love our brother, we love our sister. So if you buy a car, all right? We will not tell you, come and wash it. We are trying to get you to spend more money. It's not right. What we will do is alleviate the amount of money you have spent. So, you know, that's what we do here. You buy a car, you know, people just dip, dip their hands in their pockets, all right? They give an offering, 1000 2000 3000 4000 put it together and say, please, so go and buy fuel for the new car you have bought. It's a good culture. You understand why? It's a giving culture. Every time you hear something good, you give. I tell people, make giving a habit. Maybe we'll get to that later again, talking about the giving culture. It's important for believers. Make giving a habit. That is, it's not just when you come to church. It's something you do as a regular lifestyle. One of the things I tell my wife, sometimes we want to do something. And I say, okay, how much are we giving to this? I say, you know our level. Are you getting my point? You know. What I mean by that is that there's an amount I give casually for something. It's just casual. You understand? And now, determine that one. That's my practical advice to you for giving. Determine what can be your casual giving. That is, they tell you that, okay, oh, this person had the baby. How much can you give without? It doesn't have to be much. It can be 500. It can be 1,000. It can be 5,000. It can be 10. No, it can be 100. It can be a million, whatever your level in life. You understand? <laughs> you know, there are people like that, you know, that give you a million. Anytime they hear something is happening. 
just determine your level. But make sure, make sure that as a regular habit, every good thing that you hear about, your money goes into it. Your money goes into it. You understand? You are going for a wedding, there's an amount of money you take along to give to the bride and groom. You are going for a naming ceremony, there's an amount of money you take along, you know, for, for, for the parents of the child. It, may, it doesn't have to be much, but make sure that giving is what? A habit. That's, that's a habit of Christianity. We must make these things what? A habit. So that's why when we're talking about culture, let's bear that in mind. So, back to where, where we are, all right? We know as a matter of fact that one major area where our faith reflects outwardly is in our relationships. We have established that God, last time we talked about it, we read from John. John said you cannot claim to love God when you don't love the people around you. So the truth of love for God is shown as a, in a culture of loving people around you. I found out that the, the sign of being a true Christian is that you love the brethren. It's a sign of true Christianity. You love the brethren. No matter how much Bible you read, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you confess the word of God, if you don't enjoy the company of Christians, your faith is doubtful. You must understand that the, 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 the body of Christ, the temple of God now, is not made of what? Brick and mortar. It's not iron rod and cement. It's not stones. The temple of God is people. And David said one thing. I rejoice when they said unto me, let us go to what? That is, if you don't rejoice, when, you are go- when there's a opportunity to gather with brethren, something is suspicious about your faith. It's shaky. John said it. We know we are passed out of death and we are passed into life because we love the brethren. It's a sign of faith. And I noticed Peter talked extensively about it. Paul talked extensively about it. Our relationships, our faith must reflect in it. Otherwise, the faith is not real. The faith is not genuine. Let's take this one as our text for today. We began to look at that last time in the area of marriage. There are different kinds of relationships. We'll talk about the general relationship in every area. I would have started with that, but I started to start with the marriage one. But we'll get back down later. When Paul talked about don't cheat, don't lie, you know, don't defraud, don't steal, that's general relationship with everybody. He now came down and spoke about specific relationships. He spoke about marriage, the relationship between a husband and a wife. He spoke about, um, of course, talked about wife to husband, husband to wife. Then he spoke about children to their parents, all right, two ways. Then he spoke about masters and servants. Those are the major relationships we have in life. It's master-servant where you work. People work for you. You work, people work for you. That's one area. Then there's one of marriage. You're married or, I mean, sorry, you're either a wife or a husband. That's another area. You're a parent. As an individual, you relate with your brothers. You relate with your sisters. All of those things, your faith must reflect in all of them. The Christianity that we need to hear from your mouth before we know you're a Christian, is taking you to hellfire. Are you getting my point? Should, you want to say it again? I will say it. That Christianity that except you open your mouth to tell us, we cannot even suspect or guess it's not genuine. It's not genuine. It's fake. F-A-K-E. Fake. You know, the more I, I study, the more I reason about life, I now understand what Jesus meant when that the kingdom of God is like a, a, somebody who casts nets. Just gather all kinds of rubbish fish inside. You now carry the net and then 
the fish and start sorting them out. Many people come to church, they will be sorted. Anytime there's revival, Jesus told us clearly, the enemy will do his own too. That is, Jesus said, a man, they went to his, his field and they planted wheat. Then when the thing was growing up, what did they see? Tears also growing there. So you are going to find it. I'm going to emphasize something. So it's not a strange thing that you have churches with a mixed multitude inside. I don't want to go into that now. The more I read my scriptures, I realize that you know why God allows persecution? You know why he allows difficult times? That is how he saves genuine people from fake people. That is his way. Everybody will shout, hey, revival, 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 revival. God is saying, oh, wait, let's make Christians fall into trouble. He does that deliberately. It's not Satan. What are we doing? Say, so we are separating the men from the boys. We are separating those who are true believers. Let me tell you something. Eh? Never open your mouth and question your faith because things are not going the way you want them to go. You are playing to the hands of the devil. Let me say that again. Don't let ever the trials, temptations, difficulties in life make you question and say, God, why? Know the truth? <laughs> when you are saying, if you want to ask God questions, just say, God, refine me. If there's any hurtful thing in me, remove it. But don't even let it be a case of unbelievers are getting breakthrough. I'm not getting. God will tighten you quick. That is, your life has just gotten worse. As long, because you know, that's actually the whole idea. Let us see whether unbelievers will entice you. Let us see whether they can entice you. Listen, when, the, when we used to preach those days that you must die to self, we left that message and started declaring. You know, people, I, I, if we had people they want to wed, they say it's not for better for us, it's for better for best. That is a stupid statement. The vow, if you don't want to take a vow, don't take it. No be by force. If you must take it, it is for better for worse. You are trying to say, it's not like it could be saying, yeah, yeah, you are confessing negatively. Let me not go there, because I will not get to my message. Go and read your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. They confessed negatively there in quote. They rejected deliverance, that they may have a better resurrection. They stood for their faith, and their necks were removed. Their heads were removed from their necks. Is that, is that, is that a negative confession? That's the reality of life. Whether you confess positively or you confess negatively, life will be better, it will be worse. It's relative. It's a relative matter. There were times Jesus did not have a dime. You think Jesus liked to fish for money? When they came and said, pay. Peter, waiting there. <laughs> Offering yesterday was bad. The little we got, Judas has summarized it. <laughs> so, but we have to pay for two people now. Jesus said, all right, let me check that I will never be stranded in my life. The father has made provision. He checked his spirit. The spirit said, your, water is, your, your, your money is in the waters. I'm going to bring out something to you. He, there was no cash. He had to calm himself down to know where money was. So he said to Peter, now take a fishing hook, go to the water, pushing your line. The first fish you catch, open the mouth. You'll find enough money just for me and you. The money was not enough for three people. There was no change. Being broke is not that you don't have faith. 
That is life. Look, that is life. That's why I said, though you pass through the valley of the shadow of death. That means you will pass through the valley of the shadow of death. You know why it's called the valley of the shadow of death? Evil seems to have influence there. It looks like the, 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 the Satan's power is so strong. But he said, don't fear, because the Lord is with you. So don't think, look, don't think it's a strange thing. My faith is not working. I told I met a man when he gave his life to Christ. It, look, he told me that he's a blessed man. Very wealthy man. Said, the day I gave my life to Christ. Said, that was the first and only time I did business and I lost money that year. He said, it had never happened. He said, I had four chartered accountants working for me. They couldn't trace the money. He said, that was the year I gave my life to Christ. It's called persecution or affliction coming by reason of the word. So please, let's, let's, let's get things right. When we take the vow for better or for worse, we're not prophesying negatively. We are speaking the realities of life. But we are saying, no matter what is out there, like Franklin said, my life is in his hands and I will never take it away from him. I'm making a commitment unto death. That's what Christianity is. Let's read, like I said, so we are reading relationships. Our faith must reflect in it. The world must not teach us its own culture. We learn the culture of God. First Peter chapter 2. I want to read from the New Living Translation. I decided to back up to chapter 2, even though we are, we, are going to, we are talking about the marriage one for now. But while I was reading, something crossed my mind. That it caught my eyes. I said, look, we should back up to chapter 2 and read from there. Let's read from verse um, 18. Now, I'm going to jump verses 22 down to 25 because that was amplifying something. So we can get our train of thought straight. I'll just go from verse 21 to chapter 3. First Peter chapter 2. We'll start from verse 18. Now, I'm reading from New Living Translation. It says, you who are slaves. Now, please, let's get that right. Slavery may not be here today, but let's just do, to make it easy, let's just use the word servant. Okay. You who are servants must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you. Not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, that is the reason why you are doing what you are doing is because it's the will of God. You patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you, got no, you get no credit for being patient. If you are beaten for doing wrong. That is, if you do wrong and they are punishing you, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Jesus suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. They now describe what Jesus did from verses 22 to 25. So I'm not going to bother reading it. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, that is the gospel, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. 
Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. Don't be concerned. That's what he said. That should not be the thing that is paramount to your mind. You should clothe yourselves. That is, when you want to look beautiful, you should go out to clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God, number one. And number two, they accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him master. Like we've discussed here before, a modern word would be sir. This one's also good, master. He said, you are her daughters when you do what is right without fear, of what your husbands might do. Now let's continue reading. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. I'd just like to read that one in our regular translation. It says, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Treat her as you should, which is what God is telling you now. So your prayers will not be hindered. Let me put it the other way around. If you don't treat her as you should, just stop praying. You are wasting time. <laughs> stop praying. You are wasting time. Now, this is what we have been looking at. This is the point where we are in our discussion on relationships. And the fact that relationships... That's a major area where our faith must reflect, where it must manifest. We have listed different ones. First, I said there's a general relationship. We'll come back to it later at the end of this. Then there's husband-wife, there's master-servant, there's parents-children, and then, of course, in the family, there's, there's relationship between siblings. Now, one of the things we saw last time, I don't, this is not a marriage seminar, so we're trying to make the marriage side, uh, I want to make, try and make the marriage side rather brief, okay? We'll try and make it brief. Um... So maybe we may end it today. But last time we talked, we spent more time on the duties of the woman. We spent more time there. We began from there because both Paul and um, Peter discussed that one first. That means it must be important. Now, having been married for some time, I've made up my mind from experience, of course, from the scriptures. And then my experience has shown it. And that is the fact that the person that holds the key, the strongest key to whether the marriage will be happy or not, is a woman. If you tell me to estimate it, I will say it's 70-30. Some may say it is 60-40. Some may say it's 90-10. Well, I just think it's about 70. But it definitely is not 50-50. And that's why the instruction went, first of all, to the woman. Let me give you an example. We'll get that in a moment. But take an example. He said, wives, be what? submissive to your husband. He never gave an instruction on how a man will ensure that. There's no instruction. If you have one, please give me afterwards. I've not found one instruction that God gave on how a man can ensure that the woman submits. It is a choice she has to make. He never said, men, subdue your wives. It's not a marriage seminar. We can't do too much in details about it. I will have taken time to explain the difference between obedience and submission. 
Submission is an attitude. You can be obedient and not submissive. Do you understand? Yes, yeah, possible. And that's what the Bible talks about being willing and obedient. People can be obedient, but they are not willing. Submission has to do with the will. It's a will thing. It's a decision thing. You make up your mind. Okay, this is the best, best example to explain submission. You are ill. You go to the doctor. That is what they call submission. He tells you, lie down here. You know what you do? You lie down. Remove your shirt. Turn around. Remove your trouser. He wears a glove. I want to put a hand, like my lecturer would say those days, say, Papa, face the wall, raise your left leg. I won't put hand for your back passage. <laughs> One of our lecturers. That's how he used to say it. And there's no, he was a urologist, so that's how you examine men's prostate. You understand? That's how he used to say it. So face the wall, raise your left leg, I won't put hand for your back passage. He has that kind of voice. You know what? You don't think anything of it. It's called what? Submission. You assume that he knows what he's doing concerning your health. It is because of that. You see, you made up your mind. You went to him. They said, do you accept this man to be your lawful wedded doctor? To <laughs> Are you getting my point? <laughs> so it is out of, you know, it's a decision you make. But just like in a married relationship, he can't really force you to do anything. If you don't like it, you get up, you leave his clinic. And I look at husband-wife matter, that's precisely what God did also. I realized that God never, just like the doctor cannot force the patient to do anything, God didn't allow the man to force the woman to do anything. So he didn't tell the men, subdue thy wives. What he said to them is what? Love your wife. And we're going to spend more time on the man's duty today. Remember, it's a culture we're talking about. There are things we do, people around us must see. We're not doing them for show, but we do them so much. Like I said last time, Honey is good, baby is good, sweetie is good, sugar is good. But everybody in society, in Hollywood, that's what they all call their husbands. And I think the Christians have a duty, therefore, that when you are talking to your husband, your colleague in the office will not know, did the MD call you, or is that your father? And when you hang the phone, they say, oh, that's my husband I was talking to. That was your husband? Because you see the kind of tone with which you talk to him. It doesn't mean you don't smile. It doesn't mean you're, 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 you're shaking and trembling. Are you getting my point? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. At least, God has given me the, okay, good. I mean, I basically had this ministry. I've had a government um, department before. I'm not saying I'm a fantastic human being, but generally I have a reputation of being a nice guy. Are you getting my point? <laughs> That is there in my office. You know, people don't think that I'm an evil person. They don't tremble when I'm showing up. One day I, I walked past. The way my secretary reacted. When I, no, I walked into the office. The way my secretary reacted. I asked her, what is going on? She said, I'm happy to see you. The way she responded. Like, what happened? No, it was there's this kind of gladness and joy. A bit of excitement. That just, I said, what is the issue? She said, I was happy to see you now when you came in. Andre says that, so I'm not talking about trembling. That's not what I'm talking about. But if I call her and we're talking on the phone, even if she's laughing, you know she's talking to somebody that she respects. 
The same woman, I remember one day, I told her to do something. I was hurrying. I didn't give one of our sisters here a letter, you know, a reference letter, so recommendation letter. So I gave some instructions, and I left. Later on, I called. I found that shortly after I left, she handed some instructions to another junior, a more junior staff, and left. So when I called, when she picked my call, the way I was raking on the phone, I talked to the left, to the right, but I noticed something all the while. It's, I'm sorry, sir. That was not the way it went. What happened was, no, I'm so sorry, sir. Huh? And I, in my mind, if, <laughs> if most of us talk to our wives and you are shouting like that, it's like, ah, why are you shouting for me? Is it, is it, uh, what is it? No, that's a typical reaction. <laughs> You're getting my point. That is a typical reaction. And this same person that entered the office and said, oh, I was, I'm so happy to see you. So I'm trying to explain something here. I'm not talking about terror. One of the major problems I've noticed that Christians have these days in, in understanding, and I, I, I want to do a teaching on this very soon, maybe not here, on the true nature of God. They're always struggling, arguing whether God does what they call evil, you know, or not. The argument is always, he's a father. No father will put disease on his children. No father. I say, you are not reading your Bible. This is common sense Christianity you are practicing. Let's use Bible Christianity. I'm not going to something, an issue here. The thing you have to choose between whether he's a father or, listen to this, or a judge. He can be both of them. So when you talk the way we are talking sometimes, people have this concept in their mind that you are saying that the husband should be a terror to the wife. But it's not true. It is not true. You can respect your husband so much, yet love him so dearly, and it will be reciprocated to. It is very possible. And there's something the Bible says. It says, exercise yourself unto godliness. Even if you appeared hard, then that's your assignment. Exercise yourself until you make sure it can be done. The assignment we have to perform on this earth for the Lord, there are things we are going to have to exercise ourselves in. If you say that, you know, you heard this thing before. Familiarity does what? Breaks contempt. It is your duty to prove that it's not true. You prove that it's not true. You heard my story here, one story I told about one king in the West who familiarity bred contempt in the wife's life, in their relationship. And the man felt like reminding her who she was dealing with. He was a small man, not a big man, but was a king and a terrible one, a Nebuchadnezzar of his days. And one day the woman was giving him a bath and she started joking. She says, this is not all of you. So what do you mean? Say so everybody be trembling in front of you. Is, that, is, is this not you? Is this not you? Because the man come on cloth in the bathroom. Because the man was naked and bathing him. Is this, is this not you? The man got up. Let me put modern this into it. Picked his towel. Left the bathroom. Called his Joab. <laughs> called the chief of his bodyguards. And her father was an influential man in the society like the chief musician of their kingdom. So he called his, the head of his guards. He said, go and bring her father's head for me. It may not have happened exactly, you know, of course, we don't know the details, but this really happened. He said, go and bring her father's head for me. Bring it on the platter and give it to her when you get here. The, the young wife panicked, ran to the left and the right. The guard said, the word of the king has gone forth. We have to carry it out. They went to her father's house, dragged him out, beheaded him, put the head in a platter and brought it back to the palace. 
And he said to her, that is why everybody fears me. I'm not saying what he did was good. May you not do it in Jesus' name. <laughs> now, I'm going to explain something here. <laughs> it should, for us believers, know. The story we heard about Sarah. They had been married for decades when that was recorded. That she spoke about her husband and said, ah, what my master will say, or what sir will say, what or guy will say. Sweetie, honey, sugar, tomato, whatever, is good. Hmm? But there's something that is better. It's scriptural. My, my beloved, my beloved in the Bible, is there. You can even call my beloved, and somebody hears the tone with which you say it. You know, say this beloved is, is special. That's a culture that we believers are to walk in. We looked at that last time. Don't forget, it's a very easy way to practice it. Just think about it. When I talk to my boss, how, what is the tone in my voice? How do I greet him? Let nobody ever think I respect him more than I respect my husband. Many times women will see their pastors, their knees will bend. They see their bosses, the knee will bend. There's no commandment on how to greet your boss, so, but reflexly, they do it. Then when it is time to, bow, to greet their husbands, they treat him like the fire of Nebuchadnezzar. We will not bow. <laughs> we will not bow. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be like that. So very easy to practice. Just in your mind, play it. How do I treat these people that I respect so much? He said, exercise yourself unto what? Godliness. Exercise it, practice it. Until it becomes second nature to you. Now, we're not going over that again. Like I said, it's not a marriage seminar. We're just trying to explain some cultures. Now, he now talked about the husbands also. He said, husbands are to love their wives, going back to Paul, as Christ loved the church. Let's read that one. Of course, we've been reading Peter, so let's read Paul. That's um, Ephesians chapter 5. God has blessings for us. It's whether we are willing to do what we are supposed to do. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she will be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For this is how life is, verse 29. No one in his right senses, <laughs> I'm just adding that in his right senses, no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does to the church. Why does he do that? Because we are members of his body. It is not just an altruistic kind of love. It is also love for oneself. Jesus practiced it. Loving us is loving himself. And when a husband loves his wife, he is actually loving himself. When a husband is not loving his wife, without realizing it, he is behaving like a madman. That's why I said anyone in his right senses. So if you see a man who is not actively pursuing the love of his wife, tell him, have you seen the doctor? 
He said, why? He said, because your head is obviously not correct. You are the same as a man who stands on the road and is cutting himself because he's living in the tombs and is possessed with a legion of demons. You remember the story? What did the Bible say about him? He used to cut himself. So a man who is not loving his wife, he belongs in Gadara. And let's hope Jesus will encounter him and deliver him of his legion of demons. There are many crazy people around our society today. And how do I know? They don't love their wives. They cheat on their wives. They hide money from their wives. They treat their wives like adversaries. Listen, one major thing, I I spoke a lot about it last time. One major thing we believers must do, okay, is to exercise ourselves in this thing the Bible calls godliness. What I'm trying to say is this. If we speak like this and your wife, you and your husband, you've been treating each other like adversaries, go home, sit down, and make sure you walk towards stopping to see each other as adversaries. It's exercising unto godliness. It doesn't always come naturally. Sometimes the wives have behaved like enemies and the husbands have behaved like terrors. But what are we going to do? We have to try and reconcile things and move them into the place where God expects them to be. That is the duty we have in life. God has an expectation and it's our job to get up, walk towards it. When you forgive your wife, you are forgiving yourself. When you are patient with your wife, you are patient with yourself. Whatever you are doing, the Bible says you are doing for yourself. No one in his right senses hates his own flesh. What am I going to say? You are not doing anybody any good for loving your wife. No. <laughs> you are doing yourself good. Every society has its culture. We have a duty to introduce the culture of God above that of that society. How they treat women in your society is not what you are supposed to learn. It's what God says you should do. There are many things that the Lord says we should do. You do it in many societies, especially in Africa society where we are now. They know what they call you? Woman rapper. And I like to tell Christian men, when you get that tied to woman rapper, then you are close to salvation. Look up your redemption dress near. You won't get it anyway if you are near believers. They will all understand. But when you are still hanging around people that call you a woman rapper for doing what God says you should do, then change your company of friends. You are with the wrong people. That is a matter of fact. You are with the wrong people. You are not influencing them. They shouldn't be your close friends. If you understand the same thing you understand. You see, let me tell you, the way people behave is based upon how they reason about things. And I want to start with explaining that to African men. You see, that's one thing about, like I was saying, people think that these things are contradictory. They are not. Your duty as a believer is to match them and make sure they can walk side by side. We've just described how a woman, a wife should treat her husband. Right? To somebody who doesn't understand the word of God fully, or who doesn't hear the second side, they think you are is anti-feminist. They think you are diminishing the woman. But that's not true. Like I said at the beginning, this is God's perfect order. It's for our good. It's our blessing. That's how our children will be blessed. Listen, now I'm not saying this 100% of the times, but most times you find unruly, disobedient children, their mothers have little respect for their fathers. Because the first example of order and authority a child gets is between the parents. She undermines his authority. 
When father's daddy says, nobody watches TV till 6 p.m. After he said, go and watch it. Don't tell your father. Once it's five, once it's coming, you know it comes home by five. Put up the TV. You have taught this child disobedience to even you. You think you are conspiring with the child against the father. Listen, tomorrow you will say, why does this boy disrespect me so much? He watched you. She watched you disrespect her, his father. And you taught, conditioned, programmed his life for him. That he doesn't have any respect for authority. As some people don't understand. Go and read our last uh, magazine. The main article I put in there is titled Gatekeepers. Everything you do in life, especially as a father, as a mother, is not just for you. It's also for the home. You are opening doors to spirits. You are closing doors against spirits. The first example of respect for authority a child gets is the mother towards the father. If you hear the, if, if, if the child says, uh, I want to watch TV, and you say, no, you know daddy said no. After a while, he's gotten used to the fact that when authority says no, no means no. So next time mommy says, don't. He's, you, know, you have to understand that what we are doing in life is programming. We're writing codes. We're uploading these codes onto our brains, onto our souls, onto our spirits. That's what we are doing. We're writing codes, uploading them all the time. Our spirits are picking them up. For children, we're doing the same thing. We are setting examples to them. Like the example I gave about money, that when the child gives offering, you understand? Let him understand that offering is not changed. How do you do that? Give him big notes. If you don't want to do that, let them see when you are preparing your gifts to the preparation of the gospel. Let them not think that we can travel abroad with big money but then we put 10, 10 naira, 100, 100 naira in offering basket. You have programmed the child wrongly. In the same manner, when it comes to respect for authority, the mother is the number one person that programs. The father also does that too. Say, so no, the word of God doesn't allow that. And they understand that once, they get ref- when the, once the parents have their reference correct, they don't disobey. The child grows up understanding that authority is meant to be obeyed. That is the way it works. People behave in certain ways because of what's in their minds. One of the major problems, I was saying that balance, you know, I, I want to do that, okay? So when you tell people, look, respect authority, those things are for our good, like I said. When people hear, they don't hear the second side. They think that you're telling a woman you are under. But you know what the Bible says? You know, you know what the Bible did? He showed us the other side. He now told the men, listen, you must understand that your wife is equal to you as far as God is concerned. I don't know whether you're getting the point. Let me give an example. I'm a member of staff of the university, and headship in the department is rotatory. Oh, yes, let's assume all of three people, four people on the same rank. You are head for two, three years. You are head for two, three years. Eventually, it goes around everybody. All of you are specialists. You all have your specialist qualifications. You have been promoted. You probably are all professors. The one person becomes the HOD. Are you getting my point? Let me give another example. My alumni fellowship. Many of you know Pastor Courage. I was president for eight years. He's not president. He's president for a year now, into his second year. Before, you understand? Anything wants to be done, they come to me. I make the final decision. Now, because of the way our executive is, I'm still a member of the EXCO, but I'm no longer the president. Now, let me just give you a small history. I handed over to him on campus that I was president of our fellowship. After I did some time, he was elected. 
I handed over to him, transferred the spirit of Moses into Joshua. Are you getting my point? Good. The same thing repeated itself 20-something years later. I handed over again to him as alumni fellowship president. But unlike the school time when I was still around, I left shortly after. This one, we are all, I mean, we are all fathers with children. He has two children in university now. You are getting my point. We are all, I mean, say, say big bishop. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. But we are seeing the same ex school. If they want to do anything, like last convention, any idea I have, no matter how good I think the idea is, you go and ask Pastor Courage. If we're having a discussion and we are together, maybe like our chat group, our school have a chat group, I have an opinion that is, I have to disagree with him maybe sharply. You understand? I go behind. I send him a personal chat. I have to defer to him on everything. I give you a, a, a brief background for you to know that yet I do not consider him my superior. That is, if you leave the leadership thing out. He's my friend. He's my brother. Yet, he's currently my president. I defer to him on everything. Doesn't mean I don't have ideas. There are things that, because he, because of, uh, because he was living in Sokoto, you know, so we, we respect, and that was before, the, before WhatsApp chats became the way it is. So, he couldn't be in our school, even though we wanted to elect him many times. But he said, look, the distance made it hard for him to attend meetings and all of that. Things are better now. They didn't have flights. Now they have flights. They can move around, of course. God has increased all of us. Things are easier for us to do. But, you know, for a long time, I was not in our school. So there are times I want to give him a background to why we are doing this the way we are now. Because he's just coming to the school and he became the president instantly. So, but I talk to him. I have to explain it to him. If he doesn't agree, if he says no, no is no. Of course, he says it to me with respect, with cause. He said, no, you know, he said, no, no let, let, let's do that one first. We'll do that one another time. I said, no problem. Now, why did I tell this whole story? Is it because I'm inferior to him now? Listen, husbands, your wives are not inferior to you. That's why I'm telling the whole story. The fact that he, she tells you, yes, sir, as my lordship pleases. <laughs> Don't even let God see it in your heart. That gives you the impression that you are superior to what she is. Listen, nigga, you're not. <laughs> you totally are not. And I like the way God defines us. He didn't define our certificate. He didn't define our wealth. My father left me seven houses in Abuja, five in Enugu. I can't know. Where, I don't know where they are, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Two in London, one in America. No, he didn't define the wealth of where I'm coming from. He said we are joint heirs, fellow heirs of the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. Therefore, you treat her with that respect. Husbands, African husbands, bear it in mind. African husbands, what did I say? Yes. Bear it in mind. And, you know, look, humility is one of the greatest virtues of this life. Please strive for humility. You know what I'm saying, so? <laughs> there are times, maybe because of where I work and all of that, there are times you, tell, you talk to, in fact, I remember one particular guy, those days, he in medicine, in, in, we have this habit of calling our seniors chief. And that's why it's a habit. So once you hear someone say a senior, a doctor says a senior, he says chief. It's just a habit in the profession. 
That's right when you're in a t- training environment. So when I was working in Lou those days, there was this guy. He was a smallish person, you understand, not big. So he has this youngish look, you know. So he has this habit of greeting everybody, chief. And then of course he's safe because when you don't know who is who, you just greet everybody nicely. So this guy, he has this habit. He just greets me, just calls you chief. So because of the way the work is, unconsciously you just assume you are senior to him. Then one day I was sharing an apartment with a friend of mine, a surgeon. <laughs> so one day we were together. Then this guy came in. This guy I'm telling you about. That guy is my mate. We're at the same level university. Came to, to start postgraduate training in Luz at the same time. But I was sharing an apartment. No, I was in the sitting room. So this guy came. I saw him. I greeted him you know, just normally. Typically, he would call you chief. <laughs> and me, not knowing, I'll just greet him. I won't chief back. Are you getting my point? <laughs> because he don't know who he was. So... He sat down. So he not told me he wanted to see the other guy. That my colleague. So that one was inside. I went and called him and said, hey, so I'm surprised he's looking for you. So he came in. I said, ah, Jeff, you greeted the guy. No, nice. you're a young young man, you understand? And so he sat down. And I was from afar. And I noticed the guy began to hand him instructions. Go to so-so-and-so word. There's a man there. He has this cutter down. I wanted to pull out the cutter and change it. Make sure he gets the amount of fluid. Ah, you know? I stood so that guy was saying, no problem, sir. no problem, no problem. He was taking notes down. He's like, okay, so if there's any problem, I'm going to church. I'll be back in the evening. Please call me if when I come back, if there's any issue. But make sure it's monitor, you monitor him. The consultant wanted this one done and all of that. Ha! So he left. I said, oh boy, who's that? He said, that's my senior registrar. I said, yeah! <laughs> I said, it's a registrar. You know, I've, I felt too stupid. Because of the, his bad habit. It's not my fault. <laughs> he will go everywhere, calling everybody chief. After that day, when I see him, I will rush and greet him chief. <laughs> because. And I became friends later for certain reasons. Let me not go near there. And it made me learn a particular field in my. Because I, I used to serve him. After that thing, I was so nice to him. And he's affected. You know, he's a urologist, okay? Because of that, he, I, I had to learn a lot of a particular field, you understand? Because I was always on this case. So every time he comes, he looks for me. Hey, you know, hey, chief, you know, yeah, chief, no problem. You know, like always trying to please him after that day. Always trying to please him. Now, you know what I'm saying all of these things? So the fact that somebody is respecting you, don't let it get into your head. Yes. Bible calls your wife your equal. Who he commanded to submit to you. That's why I say African men especially. Get into your heads. The women are not inferior to the men. Just like you are on a plane. The captain is a captain. But as a flight engineer, who can be superior to the captain in age, in years of experience? But because he's not the captain, he's not the boss on that flight. Are you getting my point? That, that's why Paul wrote to Timothy and told Timothy, to treat, because everybody was going to respect Timothy as the apostle de, de, designate, if you know what I'm going to say. He was the one, modern day we called, we use the word pastor. They didn't really use that word that time like that, but modern day we use that word pastor. So let's just use that word. He was the pastor of the church. But he told him, treat the older people as fathers. Yes. And I said to Timothy, let no one despise your youth. Not by raising your shoulder. I'm not a youth. I may be younger, but I'm the pastor of this church. I am the bishop that Apostle Paul appointed over all of you guys. And you're going to give my respect. No. 
That's not what you're supposed to do. He said, be an what? An example. You have to be an example in words, in conduct, in purity, in faith. Please bear it in mind also. See, I was talking about people's mindset. Remove it from your mind, that is, women, because that's what Islam teaches. Let me tell you something about Christianity. You know, when I look at, I've discussed down here before, when I look at Western world, you know, look at Western world now, they are fighting over equality, they have, you know, racism is rearing his head and all of that, and then they're always fighting sexism. Sexism means that, you know, whether you're male or female, and then feminists are trying to prove to everybody that women are equal to the men. I look at that, I laugh. You know why I laugh? Sorry, I'm not saying this is funny, but you see, true freedom only comes in Christ Jesus. If Christ doesn't give you that freedom, you fight for it, you will hate it. By the time you are free, you will look for bondage. Yeah. Look, that's why there are women divorced every day. By the time they don't the third divorce, there's a way God made women, they, they, are, they are beginning to hate themselves. You can't marry three men in, you know, one after the other. You're not made like that. But as a consequence of the freedom they found, but not in Christ. You know what I'm trying to say? You go to a place like Islam, it's there, it's written, it's a law. The women are inferior to the men. And that's the only reason they can have small order in their families. Because the husband is, is Nebuchadnezzar. Let's leave it like that. But Christianity is different. Christianity does differently. He says to everybody, whether you're a man or a woman, all of you are the same in Christ Jesus. Do you understand? All of us will say what? Yes, sir. How many of you want to marry here? They put up their hands. Okay. You? Marry you. You are the husband. You are the wife. Equal, they say, yes, sir. Now sit down. You are a flight engineer. He's a captain. I know you are equal, though, but please, submit to the captain. Otherwise, this plane will crash. Do you understand my point? Then he reminds the captain, submission doesn't mean he doesn't have sense. Get it clear. And that's one thing we need to retain our minds. Your wife is as much a person having equal rights before God as you. And when you get to heaven, she will no longer be male and female. You're just going to be brethren. And, and Jesus expects us believers to understand that. Now, when we have that in our minds, we start living differently. Like I said last time, I'm not handing you money because it's my money and be grateful to it for it. No. No. The money is our money. Who earned it is irrelevant. They will now sit down and plot like sensible adults. And we understand the structure in the home. Sometimes I tell my wife, sometimes I tell everybody, listen, at the end of the day, I made a decision because I'm the one God will ask. And one thing I can't tell God, eh, I knew what was right to do, but my wife didn't like it. He slaps men for that. When a man tells God that, you get flogged. You knew what was right to do, but your wife did not like it. Let me tell you something. You don't need the peace that kind of peace in your home. It's better you have trouble. Do you hear what I said? There's a kind of peace that you don't need. Like I said, not in marriage seminar, I've taught you what I call the curse of Eve. I don't know that's on our website as a sermon or it's just in my computer. I wrote it years ago. What I call the curse of Eve. The number of sins they committed. One of them was that she gave her husband to eat. Another one was that the man Apart from disobeying God, he began to take instructions from his wife. And the Bible says the man was not deceived. 
which means that he knew what was right to do. The woman was making a mistake. Why? The Bible says she was deceived. But the man knew what was right. He now opened his eyes and deliberately, what they did was they reversed the order in the home. The woman began to hand down instructions and the man was dutifully obeying. Do you know why? Because Eve said, if you don't eat it, you don't touch me. Witchcraft has different levels. <laughs> if your wife does that for you, don't touch me. If you just said, are you a witch? <laughs> it's manipulation. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. Like I always, the joke I play with my wife is that, see, and which is not, it's not a joke. We laugh about it, but it's the truth. All of you should know it. I said, ever since I gave your father 200 naira, see, this, the whole of you is my own. <laughs> There's no, there's no favor. I touch any time I like. I can come from work just to come and touch you and then go back to work. <laughs> Apostle, this is not the will of God. <laughs> See, there are things that, there are things that uh, Christianity too is very interesting. There are things God has taught us. That equality thing, we must understand it, men. In the same manner, see that your body, you know what God says? It belongs to your wife. So any man committing adultery is a criminal. You are taking what belongs to somebody and then giving it to somebody else. You should go to jail. If you wanted to commit adultery, you should go and ask your wife, can I borrow your body? I have one girl I want to see. If she cannot agree, then you should know you're a criminal. <laughs> like, there was one joke I saw the other day. I showed it to my wife before I deleted it. They said... Having a girlfriend, it's like using a taxi when you don't want to use your car. That helps the car last longer and all of that. They say, forward it to your wife and let me know the hospital to come and see you in. (laughs) (laughs) That was was a joke in it. Forward it to your wife, but let me know the hospital that you will go when they pour hot water. (laughs) On your head. The Lord is good. Now listen, that, that, I'm, I'm discussing what the Christian's mind. That's how our minds work. That's how our minds work. We understand this equality thing. So submission, listen to me. Submission is not genuine, really, until that is lamp like this. The beautiful thing about submission is that first of all, there was equality. Is that not what Jesus did? Precisely what Jesus did. So even though he had equality with the father, yet he was obedient, now notice this, to the point of death. Submission doesn't mean things will always go the way you want. Sometimes I tell my wife, my wife said, you're not listening to me. I said, maybe I'm listening. You should, what you say, you are not agreeing with me. I've heard you clearly. You just, I don't agree. She will come and explain again. I said, baby, what you have said there, I heard it clearly. But can't a man refuse? <laughs> I said, that's why I'm a husband. The privilege to say no after I've understood. My wife used to think that it's because I don't understand. I said, no, no. It's because I refuse to agree. Okay, let me explain it to you again. You said this, 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 and this. Yes, I understand you. But no, I refuse. Why are you still refusing? Because I'm a husband. That's just where we are. Well, you know, one day my wife said she wants to go to Turkey. 
I said, how will I explain to God when he said, Banky, where's your wife? I said, she's in Turkey. <laughs> I said, who do I know in Turkey? I don't know anybody in Turkey. She tried to explain, other women go. I said, they didn't marry me. She talked, go left, go right. He said, why are you refusing now? After a while, you know what I said? I said, because I'm not normal. Because I think differently. Because my reasoning is upside down. But this, my reasoning, is the one I will give to God. So since you have married me, no. Hey! That was where the discussion ended. And you know, he said, why didn't you agree? I said, I didn't know how to be going. And God will say, Banky, where's your wife? I can't open my mouth and say, Lord, she went to Turkey. How will I say it? I don't know. Now, is, it, is there anything wrong? No. It's just an Amidee Christ. Are you getting my point? I'm my Christ. <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to explain <laughs> about submission. You don't agree totally, I know. But you, that is obedient to the point of death. That's something they explain to you here. What makes submission submission is that we all recognize equality. That's what I said to you at the beginning. I have found out. First, it is scriptural. That the instruction is first to the woman because she holds the number one key when it comes to peace and happiness in the home. My own experience, I'll put it around 70%. Some will put it at 90, but nobody can put it at anything less than 51. And that's why the scripture keeps giving her instructions first. And why did I say that? Back to the issue of the husband. God never, the Lord never told the man, subdue your wife. Let me sit on the instructions of the man. He told the woman, submit. Which means if she refuses, oh boy, you're in trouble. Everything you do to ensure submission becomes a crime. Apart from teaching. You will see. Now, there's another thing you must understand. Marrying is a job for the man now. What I mean is this. God deliberately gave you that woman because of all her imperfections. We read it just now. He's, what was the job of a man supposed to love his wife? As why? Christ loves the church. And what is he doing? He's washing her with the washing of water by the word. So that he might purify her and present her to himself. Are you getting my point? That is, what is he doing? He's the one removing all the negatives. So an imperfect wife is a normal thing in life. That's how God designed it to be. That's how it's supposed to be. So, what is a man supposed to do? One, recognize one. The quality, now let's, I'm looking at my time now. These are the duties of a Christian husband, which is a sign of his true faith in God. He recognizes the quality that he has with his wife. And for that reason, he appreciates the submission. He cannot subdue. The only commandment God gave him is to love. Which means if the woman refuses to submit, there is nothing he can do about it. He can't enforce submission. And that is where domestic violence starts. Believe me, it is frustrating when somebody who is supposed to listen to you does not listen to you. If you're a husband and you have been there, say amen. Don't lie, don't lie. Come on, answer me. Say amen. amen. Patrick, say amen. <laughs> He's laughing. All of you know. So <laughs> that you the most frustrating time of your life was not when you were broke. 
It was when you told your wife to do something that she did the exact opposite. Chuk said, hmm, he's remembering. <laughs> said, thank God I didn't kill somebody that day. <laughs> no, that, what happened is a matter of fact. It was after I married, I understood why God killed Saul. <laughs> Before I married, I knew he was a righteous God. He kills those who deserve to die. When I, when I married, I said, Lord, please call Saul. I need to kill him for you again. You know, like, I understood. I never, ah, I didn't fear God as much as I did after. I didn't fear him like that before until I married. That's why when I'm praying for people who, who, are, who are just married, amongst the prayers I pray for them, that they will understand God more by this relationship. It's among the prayers I pray for them. Because that was my first time of understanding why God said to Samuel, I feel bad today that I made Saul king. You know what makes it more frustrating? Because God does not allow you to do anything about it. So when you bring out your hand and slap her, like, how can you? You have now disobeyed God. You see? Do you see what I'm saying? She disobeyed God. Then you have disobeyed God. So there are two sinners in the family, both of you. <laughs> ah, I'm telling you the truth. Let me tell you the truth. See, now what I want to say now, I will try not to get into trouble with it. Eh? But I will still have to tell the truth. Okay, please. I found a huge number of cases of domestic violence. Hmm? That woman could have stopped it, but she stubbornly refused to. Now, I say a huge number. Look. Domestic violence is wrong. What, why men do it is that they don't, Christian, I'm talking to Christians now, I'm not talking about unbelievers. If you're on, if you're on, if you're on trauma adult, that's your problem. Are you getting my point? I'm talking to Christians. <laughs> so, I'm, so, I'm not talking about crazy people, okay? Okay? I'm, I'm talking about normal Christians. I'm talking to Christians. There's a reason why I'm saying this. One reason why people, men become violent, I'll tell you the truth. Let me tell you the, the reality, the truth. Let's hear the truth, okay? It's all about the world, it's not just here. Except for where the men have been thoroughly emasculated. Normal men, they, their brains react at disobedience, at lack of submission. You put me in charge, and people are not doing what I say. Now, why did I say a lot of them could stop it? Instead of coming down at that point in time, they rise up again and put it to you that they are not going to do what you say. And then the man said, I'm warning you. And the woman answered, so what are you going to do? One of our sisters told me then, she said that her husband never touched her, never. not because he didn't want to. He said, because once he says, what did you say? He said, I never repeat it. <laughs> he said, once the man says, what did you say? He said, I will keep quiet. I said, you are very wise. Some other women will repeat it again. And again. You know, like one brother said in America, he said one day the Americans uh, on, on radio, one, one American black man, he called him and said, please help us tell our sisters. We understand you want us to prove that we are the man. To him, he says, I have some women just said, they want, show me you can beat somebody. So the guy called and said, please help us tell them that we don't like doing it. Is there I'm serious. Why don't we behave like that? That's why I say what I say. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm just saying, look, when you're provoking somebody who is stronger than you, you know, see, when I was in secondary school, I had a classmate like that. He called me one day. That time I was very small. Not now that I don't grab some muscle. That time, 
Some big boys, big boys like Udechukude in my class. They tower above you. You see their muscles. He said, Lisboa, I'm just going to beat you. He said, you can't beat me. You can't beat me. <laughs> we have small voices. <sighs> you know, small, small voices. So one day, this boy came and called me to the side. He said, they will kill you in this class and nothing will happen. He said, you, are, you mentioned one guy. He said, yeah, that kind of person will beat you. I tell him he can't beat you. Why do you think he can't beat you? <laughs> you know what he said to me? He said, when he tells me he's going to beat me, he said, I ask him, when you will have beaten me, how will it profit you? I remember that's what he told me that time. He said, he's just telling me, in this class, I should stop telling people they can't beat me because they can't beat you. <laughs> they can't beat you. They can't beat you. The Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. Now, let me see to my message about men. Listen, so women, that's just a tip for you, you understand? Just keep quiet. You don't have to be, you know, don't pour fire into the, the house is on fire. You go carry, you know, petrol, you pour inside. What are you? Back to my issue. So, even though the temptation is there, that's just an aside. This is part. It is forbidden. Why? I'll tell you. Is, why, why do I say it's forbidden? It is simply because the Bible makes it clear. No, I, I said earlier, he didn't give us a commandment to subdue. If the woman refuses to submit, it is painful, but there's little you can do about it. The only commandment he gave the men is what? Love your wife. What does it mean to love your wife? Number one, she's imperfect. You teach her. He said, what happened to, um, what did Jesus do? He said he's washing his church with what? The word. Washing of water by the word. He's making her perfect. He keeps talking to her, explaining things to her, teaching her. Let me say something about submission. One of the things about submission and obedience, I say it's slightly different. In obedience, you hand down an instruction and it's supposed to be obeyed. Are you getting my point? In submission, this is the other way around. I can give an instruction, okay? It is obeyed, but I actually should explain because the person I'm dealing with is an adult. Now, listen to me. You that are submitting, you cannot demand an explanation. You that they are submitting to, in your mind, you've already recognized you are dealing with an equal heir of the grace of Christ, a child of God to an adult. For that reason, the person must understand the logic behind what you are doing. Do you get my point? Now, like I talked about the doctor, even though the doctor said, do this, do that, he actually, you know, he will explain to you what he wants to do. If he said, we are going to do a surgery, he explains to you why. Like that man I was telling you about, he will explain to the man, your prostate is why your urine is not flowing, we need to reduce it in size, there are different ways we can do it, and the man is what? He's nodding, he's nodding, he's nodding. He's submissive to what you are saying. Submission is something you use for handing down principles. Not just instructions. Are you getting my point? A student is submissive to the lecturer. For that reason, the heart is open to receive the instruction of superior principles. That is why, husbands, one of the assignments you have in life eh, is to make submitting to you not hard. I need to talk about that. Don't make submitting to you. You know you can make life easy, you can make life hard. The Bible says that servants, even if your boss is cruel, doesn't mean you should be cruel. You can make people's submission to you easy. And what I want to just say, I'm watching my time, is that please, 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 fill your head with wisdom. Don't be joining your wife to be watching Z World. 
Why? In Z world, you learn nothing. African magic. Telemundo, thank you. You sit down. Now, this is just personal counsel. You watch the news. Watch the news. Let your wife come and ask you, what, what is this? What happened? And you give the information. You are getting my principle. You should understand that government does not print Naira. They just don't wake up and when you say that, how come they say there's no money? Are they, are they not the ones printing it? You two, you say yes. <laughs> Listen, it's, no, I'm serious. You know, we say exercise yourself unto what? Godliness. This is a job you must have, you must do. Even though our wives will submit to us, but please, let's try and be wiser than them. You uh, say, what is Brexit? And you two, you think it's a brand of perfume. <laughs> please, don't make that guess job hard. Are you getting my point? Hang around wise people. Hang around wise people. Hang around people that know more than you. When you want to, when you sit down, your remote should reflexly go. If you are not watching Christian TV, there are not many of them. Many of them claim to be, but <laughs> flip over to a place where your head will be filled with information. Just know what's going on around. Never that the headsmen attackers and you'll be shouting like the rest of Nigerians. Christian men are not supposed to be foolish. Don't be foolish. <laughs> no, really. When you hear some men talk, you'll be embarrassed. How is your wife supposed to listen to this? You know, you, know, you know the way God did us? Ladies, this is not sexism. This is reality. This is not sex. what I want to tell you. It is natural for some things to be boring to women. Everybody can fall asleep when they are watching uh, Z-World. Though. But if, you, if they put Z-World and there are 20 people, 10 men and 10 women, 10 minutes after it starts, 9 men are asleep. 9 women are awake. They are not bad people. They are good people. Just that some things excite them. But when they bring a film where they are shooting, shooting people, the women have all, they've, they've gone to cook, they just get up and leave. But the guys are like, come, the don should remove that guy. The don should remove that guy. <laughs> Am I lying? Am I lying? <laughs> no, do, you know, do you know the truth? We are born like that. They've shown it before. If you just drop children, you know, scatter them amongst toys. The men go for the car toys, trucks, you know, stuff like that. The boys go for those things. But the girls go for teddy, you know, they go for dolls, you know. It's just, it's inside them. It's not, don't let the world confuse you that way. No, it's not true. It's not true. We're not the same. We reason differently. And I found that the reason why God did like that is simple. You know, there are some things a man would never pay attention to. He said, okay, let the women pay attention to that. But the more important things about life, he said, men, please pay attention to it. It will sound funny, but know why Donald Trump is angry with Iran. No. No. So that when you come, we can talk with, you know, with authority. If you go and read what Paul said, Paul told the women, go home and ask your husband questions. That the phrase is there, talking, tight, tight, tight. Then uh, Matthew Shana released a book, 30, 30 blessings in the tight. I don't know why that man would do that kind of thing. <laughs> but as a man, please, as at now, you should have settled that if you have a wife, 
collected all the scriptures. Listen to both sides if you were not sure before. When you open your mouth at home, talk as one having authority. Don't make submitting to you difficult. Your wife must see you as an example. You should be a hardworking man. You don't have to be rich. Are you getting my point? But for goodness sake, get up in the morning and leave the house. One of my sisters told me those days. He said, what she can't understand is that she's at home, that she's dressing up in the morning. Her husband is still changing gear in sleep. <laughs> she's dressing up in the morning, making up, doing everything. And it comes to the house, the guy just said they change gear. And then and they are broke. You don't have to breathe. Get up and just leave the house and go and hustle. Bring bread when you are coming back. Make yourself easy to submit to. Don't make the woman's life hard. Every day she's confessing the word in Jesus' name. I'm submissive to my husband. Because every day <laughs> you, are, you are behaving like somebody that should crush his head. Not even talking about it. Are you getting my point? Please, I hope you're following what I'm trying to say here. Yes, sir. We should make life easy. We should make life easy. So like I was saying, these are the instructions. I am watching my turn. I'm still talking so plenty. One, we wash with the water of the word. The job of a man to instruct in his home, be full of knowledge, be full of understanding. You must read as much as possible. Scriptures, different things, especially the word of God, you must know it. You should be able to instruct your wife. Even if she's a preacher and you are not. I hope you know this one I'm doing here. It's an anointing. Are you getting my point? Yes. It doesn't mean somebody sitting down there cannot have more information about scripture than me. I already explained the fact that you recognize that she's an equal hair. Another thing, when it says love your wife, Paul now went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and taught us what love is. Love is what? Patient. Love is kind. Let love endures all things. It believes. It thinks the best of every situation. You are giving me one? Love is not ill-mannered. Go and practice how... In the same manner, you understand? The other day we had a bad experience. A woman came for the meeting. The, the husband came to pick her out of the meeting. And when she... It's not just that one. The guy was pushing the woman. Go! And the, you, know, she, you know the way it is. You push an adult... The guy will come, shove her again. Shame on him. Shame on him. Let me tell you the truth. What I want to say, I'm not joking. No. If you continue that, God will kill you one day. No, no, no. There are things you don't do for long. After a while, God will say, what kind of idiot is this one that I put on the earth? You continue treating your wife like that, you will cross the road, a truck will fail break, slam me against the cab. They will say sorry and continue. Bury you in peace, you're gone. They will give you, you not hand your wife. That's the one that pays me most. Do not hand you, your wife over to somebody as nicer than you. She will mourn you for one year. After that, she won't remember you again. They say, you might before. Okay, I was one idiot. I might some time ago. Don't die. <laughs> what I've told you, it, listen, you know, say, I feel they laugh, but I'll let you know what I'm serious. You see, it's a joint hair thing. Don't treat a woman like I think her father is looking at you. He's smiling. He will warn you one day. You just want to talk one more. Your throat don't hook. They go pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, I command healing. Jesus will look. Now you hold your throat by yourself. <laughs> you call every pastor. <laughs> They're according to Elihu. You have an intercessor. He will call you and say, Oga, this is not Satan. You know, I didn't say, we don't rebuke, we don't rebuke. It's not working. 
This name of Jesus, they walk. If it's not working, something's wrong. And I say, what do you think is wrong? You now pray. Say, bros, the way you've been treating your wife, Jesus is angry. So just tell him you are sorry. Now, oh yeah, ice cream. Now. Go and buy cloth. Buy gold that you can't afford. Be start working two extra jobs to pay for the ring. It's called penance. There are things you will do. Honestly, God said, I'm going to heal you for one week. So all the swelling in your throat will go down. For one week. I'm watching you. Many men, what I'm telling you is a matter of fact. They can't do well in business because their wives are not well treated. Pray all they want to pray. They will be losing money on a daily basis. There are different reasons why people lose money. One major reason Christian men lose money is that their wives are not happy. Righteously, not as if I want to go to Switzerland when you are broke. That's not what I'm talking about. She's righteously not happy. She can't change her clothes. Yet you have the money. I'm going to end now because I'm not finished. We'll talk about it next time. When I talk about the two shall be one flesh. Before God kills your mother for you, treat your wife well. I know, you know, I know what I'm telling you. If your mother is more important to you than your wife, you're not a Christian. You're a traditional Tao, you know, Taoism, Chinese man. One day when I first married, my brother came to our house, Deji. Good boy, no get problem. My wife said, feel free, oh, feel free, it's your house. I said, Deji, don't let her lie to you, it's not your house, don't feel free. <laughs> No, ask my wife. She knows I'm not lying about this thing. She trans cool that time. I said, you don't let her lie to you. It's not your house. Don't feel free. <laughs> my wife said, ah, why? I said, you'll be causing trouble for yourself. When she becomes free now, when he becomes free now, you'll not be causing me trouble. Okay? Nobody's free here. <laughs> when, when Akindu was born that time, when Akindu was born, Akindu was a little boy. My mother came visit, to visit with my sister. Now, get my, my wife knows my mom. My mom, my mom is... My mom is stressless. She know she not give anybody wahala. If my mother is in her house for one year, my wife will not even notice she's there. Are you getting my point? No stress. My mother doesn't like disturbing. My mother doesn't like disturbing people. So one of those days, because of that, we came back from church. So my wife was like asking, "Mom, what would you like to eat?" My mother now said simply, "Just turn to my sister." He said, "Please, why don't you go and make me yam and egg sauce?" And that one got up. I said, "My friend, come back. You can't enter that kitchen. It's somebody's kitchen." My wife wanted to enter the ground because my mother was there. She was there. My sister was there. My wife wanted to enter the ground. See, this guy, why are you embarrassing me like this? I told my mother nicely. I said, Mommy, it's somebody's kitchen. Whatever you want, talk to her. If she wants my sister's help, she will ask for it. It's okay. Sorry, I didn't want to disturb her. I said, she doesn't mind being disturbed. Look, my wife was like, yeah. I, what she, I said, my friend, I'm saving you trouble. What are you arguing with me over? I said, my friend, I better relax. Do you know, one, this, was, this was those early days. She might be for most of her friends, you understand? You know? So her friends were wedding one after the other. When she began to hear trouble, there are days I'll be at home, my wife will come home, kneel down be saying, my husband, thank you. May God bless you. Because she'll be hearing things. Say, this will not ever happen in my house. I don't think me and my mother has problems. She still called me yesterday. They rained blessings on me. Just called. Ah, you know. Ah, mommy, how far? 
Ah, I said, okay, I, I see your hand. You began to pray. I said, Mommy, I beg, this is not supposed to be, you know, it's that these are regular issues now. Ah. He said, said prayer, not a loss. Wait, let me finish. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, I do our own son. The prayer cannot be too much. You can't get missing. Let me add this one to it. That was yesterday. We don't have any problem at all. Everybody had to understand. For this culture, the man live. Forget how you feel. Your wife is more important to you than your mother. That is not how you feel. That's how it is. I saw something the other day. Chinese people, they did something. I don't know how many of you saw it. Say so you do your hand like this. Okay, this way. They now said that you should try. If you can, you know this? Can you see what I've done? Yes. I folded this finger. They said this finger represents your parents. So you can separate. One day they will go. This represents, I think, your friends or your siblings. This one represents your children. They can move. Said so now, try and remove these two. You can try it. It can never separate. The ring fingers. So that one represents your wife. And they said, try and separate them. Is it hard? If you flex this very well, that one is not going anywhere. This one can move easily. I said, this is very nice. I said, this repre- and that's a matter of fact. Your father is going to die one day and leave you. Your children, that's how everybody lives long. They're not even your own. You know? Your children will grow up one day and tell you, bye-bye. But for your wife, it's until death. Literally, what do you say? Until death, us do part. We'll leave it there. If we have to, we'll continue next time. But remember, you are the priest, you are the prophet. The greatest blessing a woman gets is from her husband. It's the greatest blessing. After my wife and I married, then we'll go to, we'll, at, at, at night, when everybody don't go, so you get, I laid down on that time. I placed my hand upon her and began to bless. The greatest blessing a woman can get is the one from her husband. If we need to, we'll continue that next time. We'll spend a lot of time and we'll still have a lot to do today. Let's give a lot of thanks. Let's say, Father, we'll thank you. Let's say, Father, we thank you for the culture of faith you are establishing in our lives. Lord, we give you praise. Let's dedicate ourselves again to the new wineskin. Say, Lord, my wineskin, build it for me. Let these words that you are speaking, let them stick in my heart and build something new in it. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. It's well with all of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everyone present here, me too. It is well with me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everyone present here, goodness and mercy will go with you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last time I said something, let me repeat it again. Because we are speaking about marriage, listen to me. Many people, why they are not married, many, I'm not saying everybody, is that there is something wrong with their concept in their minds. And as the word of God is coming forth, that concept is being removed. Amen. It's being changed. And for that reason, in their lives, God will do a quick walk, cut short in righteousness. Amen. What will have taken two years is going to take three months for somebody here. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said it last time, let me say it again. There are people last week, you have not met the man or the woman you are going to marry. Yet, within the next three months, you'll be married to the fellow. Amen. And it will be a good one. Amen. And not say, let's just manage. No, you will like it, you will be happy. Amen. God will do that for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever.